welcome back to the Endurance House podcast. We are back with episode number 15. We have Ellen Moss sharing her first ever ultra at the Uwari 40 mile in North Carolina, um, located in the Uwari National Forest. Um, I believe kind of outside the Raleigh-Durham area. Um, I was doing some Instagram stuff. I guess stalking, uh, looking for people who had finished races, um, in early 2021. And I came across Ellen's Instagram post about her inaugural ultra marathon debut, I guess. And, um, I thought it was really cool that she was also, um, using it as a way to raise money for, um, a nonprofit that, uh, she was looking to raise raise i i don't know what her goal was but i think she ended up over six thousand dollars for the nonprofit. and the whole goal for her was uh to do that before her 40th birthday so um pretty cool knock out a 40 mile ultra marathon before your 40th birthday and um raise a ton of money for uh, a great charity in the area so um i will link to that charity um in the show notes for people um, and Ellen will share a little bit more about that and her story. Her story is hilarious. Um, this is this is a true gem. Uh, I found myself laughing the whole time, and also um, just uh, like really enjoying Ellen's storytelling as well. Uh, her mantras, and especially the mantras that come late, and how she ties them all together, are literally some of the funniest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> in ultra running and i'm so happy she shared it um and i think you guys will really enjoy it um before we get into the episode just want to give another shout out to our sponsor buffalo bluffs hemp farm um i am officially back to running after my back surgery in january my six week no running so it is not pretty but it's starting to happen and you know one of the areas that is really tight on me um due to the nerve damage is my calf and I've been using their um, their joint and muscle salve on my calf, and it's been amazing. So, um, you know, if you guys are having those kind of aches and pains after a run, just looking to ease that a little bit, definitely check it out. Um, the Endurance House is our code that you can use, and you'll get 20% off your first order with them at buffalobluffshemp.com. Uh, so please check them out, and without further ado, sit back and get ready to laugh. Uh, Ellen can take it away from here. A wise Lululemon shopping bag once said, do one thing every day that scares you. With a completely race-free 2020 behind me and my 40th birthday looming, I decided to take this advice to heart. I was looking for something epic yet affordable. So I asked my boss, also, conveniently, the Yori race director, if she would gift me a spot in the 40-mile race for my birthday this year. My request was granted, and I realized that I would need some supplemental external motivation to see this through. So, I decided this crazy birthday undertaking should benefit the greater good. The Durham running community has been a key defining force in the decade of my 30s, and I was eager to choose a cause that would benefit it directly. There's an awesome local organization here called TROSA, which stands for Triangle Residential Options for Substance Abusers. 
They help individuals with substance abuse disorders become healthy, productive members of their communities and families. Several members of TROSA's leadership team are also alumni of Bull City Running Company's various training programs. They have transferred their running passions into a 65-plus member-strong Run to Recover program for TROSA residents. A fundraiser benefiting TROSA felt like an obvious, full-circle way to give back to my beloved local running community. I set a goal of collecting $140 donations or $4,000 for TROSA over the course of my Uori training cycle. Before settling on this running goal, my pandemic running routine was basically four to six miles on four days of the week, plus a 10-mile long run on the weekends if I was feeling extra ambitious. I told my coach that I was digging the five-day running routine. I've been a six days per week runner for every marathon training cycle I've ever done, and I had expected at some point I would return to my higher volume ways if I was going to survive 40 miles. I was surprised that this never happened. Instead, I found myself spending literally all day slogging through off-road long runs on the weekends, while my weekly mileage totals were on average only 10 or so miles longer than the distance I was preparing to travel in a single day. Needless to say, spending more hours running fewer miles felt a bit unsettling. Very quickly, my trail long runs started to take so much time and so much out of me that I was no longer able to do them on days that I also had to work. I'm a loyal member of the Church of the Sunday Long Run, and as a running store employee, I often work on Sundays too. Given that our store opens at 12 p.m. on Sundays, I've always been able to complete even the longest road marathon training runs before work. Not the case with ultra training. I found myself driving out to Umstead or the Mountains to Sea Trail on a random Wednesday and running four hours completely by myself. This type of crazy behavior made me think to myself, wow, I can't believe how committed I am to this goal. And dang, I must like love trail running. Given the fact then and now that doing the same on the ATT, our local Greenway Trail and frequent long run destination seems utterly unfathomable. But I didn't have to do all of my long runs alone. I was lucky to have several running pals who were also training for the 40 and a couple more who were just nuts enough to run 20 miles through the woods with me just for kicks. I do think that my fundraising efforts added meaning and accountability to my training, but I'm also incredibly grateful for friends who are willing, willing to meet me for an extra long run and wait for me at all the turns to make sure I didn't get lost. With four weeks to go until race day, I completed my longest training run of 32 miles, aka my then longest run ever. Although I still struggled to wrap my brain around the idea of adding eight miles, my goals for the big day began to take shape. With this being my first ultra and all, I decided to set the bar low in hopes of, of assuring success. I settled on two primary objectives. A, 
finish the race at all cost with minimal feelings of self-hatred and regret, and B, limit my race day poop stops to two or fewer. Meanwhile, thanks to the generosity of my friends, family, and Bull City Track Club teammates, I met, and to my surprise and delight, surpassed my $140 donations fundraising goal. No turning back now, I guess. On the morning of February 6th, race day, we rushed to the race site to drop off Lindsay, who went on to win the women's race and finished second overall for her starting wave, which was earlier than mine. She hopped out just in time to make her start, and to my surprise, I was unceremoniously dismissed from the car as well. As it turns out, this was for the best. By the time I had greeted the Bull City Running events team and my friends who were in my wave, pooped, this one did not count towards the two during the race poops for my beagle, and deposited my drop bag, it was time to line up on six feet apart social distance markings in the start area. As I stood on my personal starting X, I tried to summon all the positive vibes and good energy I could muster from my generous fundraising donors and the various wonderful well wishes I had received from friends and family in the days leading up to the race. My good vibe reserves got a nice top off when I got a birthday shout out from the race director and cheers from the other runners in my wave. And then there was nothing to do left to do but run and also power hike and walk. I decided to start with some power hiking. I was feeling daunted by the distance and committed to tackling the trail ahead 100% on my own terms and at my own pace. Not to mention that the first and also last miles of the course are among the steepest and gnarliest. Unsurprisingly, my Sunday long run training pals rushed by me right away. I instantly settled into a lovely, comfortable running and chatting rhythm with Bull City Track Club friend and ultra running veteran, Brittany. Thank goodness for Brittany, y'all. It was like she had been briefed on my preferred topics of conversation before the race. As the early miles clicked by, we discussed our favorite Lululemon tights and salespeople, Percy, my dog, an absolute favorite thing to talk about, other dogs we know and love, and her tales of grit and glory on Yuwari runs gone by. In no time at all, we hit the first aid station. This was very exciting for three reasons. Number one was snacks. The second reason, cheerful, friendly volunteers. And number three, an amazing sign that read, Ellen's Aid Station Cooler Full of Orgasms, an inside joke among my friend group that stems from a drunken misreading of a Cards Against Humanity card. I paused briefly to revel in the excellent Aid Station vibes and grab a Rice Krispie treat for the road, and then settled back into easy forward progress and talk of dogs and high-end athleisure wear. Just before the second aid station, it happened. The first poop stop of the day. I knew this was inevitable, but I was hoping to stave it off until after the 10-mile mark. If I was going to keep it to two total, I figured I'd aim to ration them out as much as possible. 
I briefly lost Brittany at this point because no one wants to be that runner awkwardly standing around on the trail while their friend is pooping. But I reminded myself that this was my day and my pace and continued to aid station two, where Jordan, my crew boss and boyfriend, was waiting with another sign bearing the most magical unicorn pinata, courtesy of my friends Brad, Erica, and baby Sarah. Brittany and I were reunited shortly after the aid station, and we quickly settled back into our easy chatter. At the next aid station, mile 11 or 12, I think, I was elated to see a large poster bearing the likeness of my darling dog child, Percy, and his plush emotional support flamingo, Frank. Oh, you must be the one that's 40, said the aid station volunteers. I suppressed the urge to explain to them that yes, I was doing this to celebrate my 40th birthday, but it was only February 6th and my birthday wasn't until February 24th, so technically I was still 39. Instead, I thanked them for being there and for the good wishes and followed Brittany back into the woods. Somewhere between the Percy Age Station and the next one, we saw the lead runner come through at an amazingly speedy, effortless looking pace. For those of you who aren't familiar, the Uori course is a 20 mile out and back situation. This prompted me, perhaps for the first time all day, to look at my watch. I wasn't really sure how long we'd been running. I likened the ultra running experience to a long flight across multiple time zones in that I was aware of the passage of time, but unable to quantify it in terms of how much had gone by or how much was left until the end. In retrospect, this was probably for the best. Nonetheless, I was shocked to find out that we'd only gone something like 13 miles. Yikes. Whatever, I thought to myself, this is a rare and wonderful opportunity to do something absolutely 100% at my own pace and on my own terms, and I will luxuriate in it. For those of you who don't know me personally, I'm one of those people who has what we'll call, in air quotes, a fluid relationship with time, meaning that I struggle mightily to transition from one task to another, and I'm therefore egregiously late to pretty much everything. The 17-mile aid station featured a sign bearing various pictures of corgis, my second favorite kind of dog after Percy, who's some variation of a pit bull, plus a sign that read, run like a bear is chasing you and you're holding a jar of peanut butter. Oh, are you the one that's 40? The volunteers ask again. Yes, I said with enthusiasm this time. Brittany celebrated the fact that this aid station had real name brand Coke, and I wondered if this was something that I should be excited about, too. I also envied her cool collapsible bowl, which she could fill with Fritos and take on the run, while I frantically snarfed mine so I could be ready to dispose of the paper cup they came in by the time I exited the aid station. Shortly after leaving this aid station, we encountered several more returning runners, and I was stoked to find that Lindsay, who we dropped off earlier, was not only solidly in the lead for the women's race, but also closing in on the top men. As we drew closer to the turnaround, 
I was further buoyed up by encounters with Shannon, a speedy runner, an excellent photo documentarian of local races, and my other training pals, Hunter and Adrian. The tiniest piece of me was bummed to be so very far behind them, but the vast majority of me was incredibly glad to see them and to know that they were crushing it. At long last, I pulled into the halfway point to find Jordan holding a sign with a photo of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the most amazing hand-drawn unicorn I've ever seen. And a random kid that I didn't know, the child of an aid station volunteer, perhaps, with one that read, Ellen, 40 miles, 40 years, 100% sexy. Immediately upon entering the aid station, I was bombarded with questions. Jordan needed to know if I wanted to sit down and if I wanted to change shoes. I felt like both offered a nice break from running, so I said yes across the board. The race volunteers needed to know what kind of soup I wanted, chicken noodle or potato. I felt like I didn't really want either and that my Scratch Labs, Sour Cherry Chews, and Raspberry and Lemons Bar would be a sufficient snack, but that wasn't an option that was offered. I chose chicken noodle and dutifully snarfed it down along with my bars and chews. Meanwhile, Jordan had successfully removed my wet, muddy socks and shoes and replaced them with fresh, dry ones. The shoes were especially fresh. I literally changed into a brand new, never-before-worn pair. The aid station volunteers gave me some ribbing about this, and I jokingly reminded them that I worked in a running store and told them that I had been changing into a brand new pair every five miles. After my wardrobe change and snacks, I briefly visited the porta potty, no pooping though, and was ready to get back at it. Over five hours had passed by now, and I started to realize that this was going to be a longer day than originally expected. Jordan promised to meet me with a headlamp at mile 32 as I exited the 20-mile aid station. I stepped out of the turnaround point onto the muddy puddle field trail, instantly soiling my pristine new shoes and soaking my dry socks. Sigh. But it was so nice to have some small interactions with the very few runners I encountered who were still on their way to the turnaround. And I chatted for a while with another woman who had left the 20-mile mark at the same time I did. She told me that she had done this race before and, quote, felt like crap for the first 26 miles, but then felt amazing after that, end quote. I'm looking forward to getting to the part where it feels amazing, I told her, while I wondered if it was truly possible to feel progressively better, like to the point where you might even run a negative split in a race like this. Highly unlikely, I decided. When I reached the Bear with Peanut Butter slash Corgi Aid Station for the second time, now at mile 23, I decided to fully lean into the Ultra Runner vibe and taste the Coke. I literally felt an explosion of sugar and caffeine when it hit my mouth, and it was glorious. Just as I was going in for a second round, Brittany pulled into the aid station, Brittany, I tried the Coke and it's magical, I exclaimed. We left the aid station together, but Brittany had ultra-level endurance and stamina that I did not. And she had these cool trekking poles that seemed to make her levitate over the trail. WTF, no one told me I would need trekking poles for this. 
I swallowed my pole in envy and soldiered on behind her, hanging on just enough to maintain the occasional conversation. Until it happened, the second poop stop of the day. I sent Brittany on ahead and dove for the woods. Okay, this is it, I told myself. 15 more miles and God knows how many more hours with absolutely no more poops if I'm going to get the beagle. I uttered a quick prayer for the resolve of my lower GI tract and carried on to the next aid station. The one with the Percy sign. When I got there, I was thrilled to see two things. One, Brittany was there waiting on me. And two, the sign bearing the image of my pup had been turned around so I could see it on my approach from the second direction. I turned your dog around and made you a special birthday soup, exclaimed the lead aid station volunteer. He handed me a cup of chicken noodle soup topped with Fritos, which I enthusiastically consumed and proclaimed to be the very best birthday gift I'd ever received. I grabbed a cup of Coke for the road, too, because that's what real ultra runners do. I was excited for the next two aid stations because Jordan was planning to be at both of them. Brittany and her magical trekking poles were long gone at this point, leaving me with only my internal monologue for entertainment and motivation. My new goal was to simply run as much as possible between aid stations, and I channeled all the friends who had made the signs on the course and donated to my fundraiser to keep me moving forward. I was greeted at the mile 29 aid station with some good-natured heckling from Dan, Brittany's partner and crew boss. What are you doing still running, Ellen? If this were a marathon, you'd have been done three miles ago. Stop trying to make me sad, Dan, I retorted as I grabbed my now signature Dixie cup of Coke and ate a couple of honey stinger waffle quarters from my pack. I gave Jordan a quick smooch and reminded him to have the headlamp ready at mile 32, and I was back on the trail. Maybe a mile and a half from the aid station I'd just left, I noticed that my back was feeling very wet and not in a sweaty way. That's weird, I mused as I took off my pack to investigate. The outside compartment that holds the pack's bladder was indeed thoroughly soaked. Oh, no, I said out loud to absolutely no one. I lifted the bladder out of its sleeve, and sure enough, it was spewing water out the side at a seam that had come open. Almost definitely be returning this piece of garbage to Bull City Running Company. I laughed to myself as I emptied the bladder to avoid getting any wetter and stashed it in my pack. With the bladder debacle behind me, I tried to direct all of my energy and effort into settling into a rhythm of forward movement. Time to conjure up a good mantra. The best I could come up with was the single word rhythm. I repeated the word rhythmically. Rhythm, rhythm. See what I did there? And pondered how challenging it is to spell. Until at last, I reached the road crossing that marked the mile 32 aid station. 
My bladder sprung a leak, I proclaimed loudly to Jordan and the aid station volunteers as I stumbled into the third to last aid station of the day. The one in my pack, I added to clarify, in case there had been any doubts or concerned. I asked Jordan to fish it out of the pack for me to lighten my load and instructed him to rummage around for my last lemons and raspberries scratch bar while he was back there. He exhumed the bladder easily enough, but couldn't find the scratch bar. Exasperated, I tore off the pack to search for it myself. Unable to locate it in the pack's labyrinth of pockets, I gave up and snatched a bag of goldfish crackers along with my Coke, duh, and made my exit from the aid station. But in my haste, I forgot the headlamp, which I was now very obviously going to need. Jordan gallantly chased me down and delivered it to me. As I bid him farewell a second time, he called out, Be careful when you get to the rock garden, okay? In the moment, I had no idea what he was referring to, but I assured him that this did not sound like something I would approach haphazardly. It was time to resume my running rhythm, but I felt bored with my single word mantra and I racked my brain for a new, more inspiring one. For some reason, all that came to mind was a very specific image of Joe Biden, slowly, gingerly jogging down the runway to the lectern to deliver his victory speech after being named the winner of our recent presidential election. I guess this will have to do, I thought to myself. And with that, my silent chant, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, became my new battle cry. In addition to channeling Joe's victory jog, I began to marinate on the realization that by the time I got to the finish line, I would have been outside doing exercise long enough to see the sun rise and then set again. In the moment, I found this to be both incredibly humbling and pretty dope. But now I was also starting to notice some distinct and trippy eye fatigue. I couldn't recall another time when I had felt so specifically tired in my eyeballs, and I wondered if this was normal at this point in a very long run, or if it was a sign that my body was starting to shut down. And then, out of nowhere, I found myself darting off the trail and into the woods for the day's third poop stop. <sighs> I felt simultaneously bummed out that this dashed my dreams of meeting my B-goal for the day and relieved to have confirmation that my body was still performing basic essential functions. I returned to the trail, resumed my Joe Biden mantra, and let POTUS guide me to the glorious penultimate aid station. I'd made it back to the cooler full of orgasm station, and the friendly volunteers there re refilled my flask, Thank goodness those remained leak-free and insisted that I pose for a few photos with the cooler full of orgasm sign. I was happy to oblige. As I geared up to resume my forward progress, I heard the ham operator on duty say, only nine more to go. Uh, excuse me, but you are incorrect, I said to him. There are only 4.5 more to go. And then I realized that he meant there were only nine more people they were waiting to pass through the aid station. Phew, I was starting to get worried for a minute. With only one station to go, my thoughts turned back to this rock garden that Jordan had mentioned earlier. 
I'd encountered several different rocky interludes on the trail, and I wondered if any of them were it. I also tried to reestablish my slow, steady Joe Biden jog. But the terrain seemed particularly uphill at this point, and this kept me resigned to a purposeful power hike. I noticed that my shoulders felt tense and fatigue, but as it got a little darker, my eyes seemed to adjust and vision felt like it was less of a conscious effort. Do you have Coke? I yelled at the volunteers at the last effing aid station. The soda, not the other kind, I added. I was disappointed that my illicit drug humor didn't get more laughs, but they did have soda, and I tossed back my final shot with gusto. By now, at least in my imagination, if not literally, I could smell the finish line, and boy was I pumped to get there. Rhythm, Joe Biden, relentless forward progress, I sang as I kept shuffling forward. And then it became abundantly clear that I had found it, the rock garden, a sheer boulder-covered slope that eventually descended into the finish. How is it possible that I hardly even paid this any mind as I ascended it at the first part of the race? I guess 30 miles and the better part of 11 hours can really restructure one's perspective on things. I began cautiously picking my way down, and I noticed that my arms and legs were trembling. I wondered how long this had been going on. This was the first time all day that I questioned my ability to make it to the finish. The temptation to just sit down and rest was great. Fortunately, the rugged terrain made it easy for me to talk myself out of a mid-trail nap. And I found a new mantra. Don't bust your face. Don't bust your face. I repeated in my head as I continued to make my way down. I think my mile split for the rock garden section was something like 26 minutes, and that is not even an embellishment. But once I finally made my way to the bottom, I could see it. The promised land. The finish line. Woo! I exclaimed loudly to the colorful flagging and twinkling lights below. Anyone who spent any significant amount of time running with me knows that the woo sound is a weird, self-soothing mechanism for me while running. Woo! Ellen! Rose up from the base of the hill in response. And just like that, I was there in the waiting embrace of my work spouse and assistant race director, Anna. What, did you think I was going to say Jordan? No. The Bull City Running Company team is a tight-knit bunch, to say the least. To my great surprise and delight, so many friends who had finished the race ahead of me or run one of the shorter distances were there waiting for me. The finish line food distribution volunteers, also beloved longtime customers at the shop, rushed over with a Dixie cup of beer and were there to refill it as needed. I hugged a probably inappropriate number of people, given the global pandemic circumstances, before a trail-weary Jordan finally wrangled me into the car and whisked me away. Once I'd responded to the slew of check-in text messages from various close friends and my sister, I found a little time 
and space to reflect on my experience. I realized that I was in the unique position of achieving my A goal, finishing the race at all cost, but not my B goal. Two poop stops minimum. I also had the epiphany that my ultra experience had completely redefined my definition of humbling. It is one thing to feel humbled when you thought your marathon would take three hours and 20 minutes, and it took you three hours and 40 minutes. Thinking your 40-miler will take you nine hours only to have it turn out to take 11 is a different level of humility entirely. Perhaps most importantly, I was incredibly proud of myself for accomplishing a goal that took me way outside of my comfort zone and maintaining a generally good mood and positive headspace for 11 hours. An amazing feat under any circumstance, if you ask me. I'm already contemplating my next ultra and what I can do differently to tighten things up and go faster. Did I have an amazing ultra maiden void about which I regret nothing? Absolutely, I did. Many thanks to all of you who donated to my fundraiser and or kept me company on numerous, seemingly infinite training runs. My most heartfelt shout outs to my coach, Ryan Warrenberg of Zap Endurance, for supplying me with with the training guidance that got me to the finish in one piece, physically and mentally. And to the race directors, also my bosses at Bull City Running Company, for granting me a spot in the race and the time away from work to do it. And to Jordan, my ever-supportive and mostly uncomplaining crew. Three cheers to Ryan for sharing my story on Endurance House and to all of you for listening. The end. What did you guys think? Man, uh, Ellen is hilarious. Uh, she's a person, when you're working in an aid station, she comes rolling in, you immediately are like, man, that girl's having a blast out here. I want to hang out with her. Um, super cool to hear about her first ultra experience and what a great job, you know, kind of le- lends itself to the importance of like having a very strong why when you're going into something like this and a really good support system too. Um, and it sounds like she has that. Um, I had no idea that Ellen worked for Bull City Running Company when I reached out to her. Um, ironically, our nephew, he did their kids series um, when they were living in the Raleigh-Durham area. So super cool to somehow randomly have this all come around. But um, yeah, definitely check out Bull City Run Company um, and um, the URE 40. They also have a 20-miler and an 8-miler, I think, that goes with this race. So definitely something to check out in the North Carolina area. Um, can't say enough about Ellen's report. Uh, I had a blast listening to it. I'm so pumped to be able to share it out. Uh, she's a great storyteller. She's super funny and what an awesome accomplishment for your, your first ultra and knocking it out before their 40th birthday. So congrats, Ellen. Um, I will link to, um, Ellen's fundraiser for Trosa, which is a, um, residential program for substance abuse users. Uh, so super cool program that she was raising money for. So we definitely link to that. And um, I don't know if it's still open, but if it is and you guys would like to donate to that, that would be amazing. Um, just another thing to add here. Um, 
really want to give a huge shout out to Michael Truman for being our Patreon supporter. Uh, we really appreciate it. It all starts with one person. And like I said, we, we want to knock more of these out and get more stories. So thank you, Michael, for the support and anyone else that is interested in what we're doing and enjoying what we're doing. Um, head over to Patreon, go to the Endurance House. If you're a race director and you want to sponsor um, a month and we will promote your races, you can do that as well through Patreon. So let us know. We're happy to uh, help spread the word of your events if that's something anyone is interested in. If not, until next time um, on episode 16, which we already have in the banks, we will see you next Thursday and hope you guys are doing well and enjoying this nice spring training. We're getting some warm weather, so let's enjoy it. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Yeah, no, no, no.